Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Believe in the fight game. Hello, everyone. This is Charles Yao with Believe in the Fight Game on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team and every sport in LA and more. We believe in sports. Do you believe? Like, are you political crazy? No, I, no. I don't. I, I'm not apathetic, but I'm just, I'm just trying to do jujitsu, man. And I, I see benefits from both sides. Right. People need to stop being crazy with one another. But, but so do you get crazy? Cause like, oh my God, this dude is doing the donkey guard and he's a blue belt, like that oh, kind of thing. Or no, I, I let people be people. Do your thing, man. Like I get that. Uh, you know, it's good that we have weirdos in jujitsu. It keeps us interesting. I love it. Right. Do you think, do you guys think the, what Joey said has a lot to do with the no gi aspect? Cause it seems like no gi people a little bit more freer. No disrespect to people on the gi, right? You guys both. Yeah. I, train I in say the that's true. No that's true. People who train no gi probably, um, are more of like a rebellious nature, <laughs> you know? Right. Cause just to like break free and stuff. But do you guys think it shifted because of someone like Eddie Bravo? Because it's like, oh, I, I get this dude. He's a little bit looser. You know, he smokes weed, but he's not judgmental. He's a little bit easygoing. Because it seemed like no gi in the very beginning that the start was like more for athletes. Uh-huh. Right? But do you think now no gi has a perception that it's also just as martial culturally? Mm-hmm. Or is he still more the martial culture? To the people who train the gi and who feel that way... But I mean, it's it's all jujitsu. You like you know you have techniques that are strictly only going to work when you're wearing a gi, and you have techniques that will not work if you're wearing a gi that work in no gi. And also, like coming from a wrestling background, then it's just like it's just submission grappling, you know. So you could play like a little bit. Oh, I'm going to be on my feet mostly. Like where does that fall in? Right. Oh, you're just a jujitsu guy who never plays guard. Oh, well then that's like kind of weird too, you know. How did you get to adjust to that since you said you have a wrestling background? What was the difficult part of adjusting to a submission game versus like a topple? Uh, just uh, um, kind of like changing the way I felt about being on bottom or, or uh, playing guard. Whereas opposed to like in wrestling, like if you're on top, you're winning kind of, you know? Right. Whereas in jiu-jitsu, like you could win from bottom just as easily, you know? There's no, and then if there's no points or the submission only, well, then you better have a good guard. You know, you might not be on top. You might be not be able to get to your spot right away. Oh, okay. So then, so then now you're like, okay, well, this is not bad either. There's no reason to panic or to uh, to spaz. Like, if you have guard, you have guard. It's now it's their turn to try to pass. And then for you, what was your background? Did you have like a? I also background? wrestled. We, you know, oh, Eric okay. and I are very much the same person in a lot of aspects. Okay. So I also wrestled in high school. We met uh, at Moore Park College Wrestling, and the exact same thing. So when I came to Jiu-jitsu, because as a wrestler, that's still grappling. And so I came in with a strong top game. I came in as a white belt, and there were blue belts and purple belts. And as soon as I got on top of them, they were like, oh, shit, what the hell? Right. Um, and so I, but then I realized as soon as I got swept and I was on my back, I was like, oh, no, I got, what do I do? And that's where people would beat me up. So I got a quick understanding that if I need to be good at this new aspect of grappling, I need to work off of this guard game. So a lot of times people in jiu-jitsu start with the knee battle, and so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just pull guard. 
And if I get beat up, who cares? Because the bottom isn't my game anyway. Mm -hmm. But if I want to get on top, I have to earn the top. And I have to earn the top by doing something good on the bottom. Were, were you guys resistant as wrestlers about the guard game? Uh, there, for me, for me, there was one guy who just had like a, a really, really good guard for wrestling. He would just throw up spider guard, and it was so annoying to waste so much energy. He's not and, in and the, the academy right now, right? Uh, his his name is Shakib Amasumi. I, I, I don't know if we can, I don't know if we're allowed to mention his name. He's on the NSA list, but uh, but you know, it got it got to the point like, man, I throw so much energy at this guy, and he just absorbs it and very and moves very, you know, and then he's able to attack when I'm exhausted. And then that's when I start to start to appreciate guard a little bit more for what it is. Well, okay, so for your end, you're a little bit more mesomorphic, I guess, a little okay. bit thicker. Yeah. Um, did you have the same experience? Um, well, yeah. It's, it's like guys, it's, it's a weird game where you're good on top, but if a guy is good on the bottom, right? So I feel like I'm strong on top, sure. but they're moving their hips around, and I was especially as a white belt, and I'm like, it's just. In wrestling, as soon as you have the guy on their back, you won. That's it. Right. And now you have, now I'm doing this new sport where guys are fighting me off their back. And so that was a whole thing that I had to clearly adjust to. And then I re that was when I realized, like, all right, I got to get good at not just the guard, but realizing that other people are, are good at the guard. And so I have to adjust my top game to that accordingly. I, I don't know if anyone's asked you this because sometimes I'm very binary about things, right? Uh-huh. Is there a bad reason to have like a good, good friend and train together all the time? Meaning like your math and your path becomes the same way where let's say yeah. Eric, if you guys didn't live together or were homie homies, maybe your method would have gone this way and Joey's method would have gone this way. So to answer that, um, you know, we train a lot together, right? Sure. Every, so almost every day, one round, right? So for the most part, like you kind of know where the role is going to go a little bit. We, we, we each have spots that we like or we'll concede or we'll fight at. Sure. You know, so then those positions become, well, like I know he has this from here. I know he has these angles. And, um, you know, having like um, a game from there, like maybe like, uh, oh, I know how to deal with somebody who's tough here, who's very insistent with the Kimura here or who's, who really likes this type of half guard. Well, then when I go against somebody else, I don't necessarily, like, freak out. I know a path, like, there's a way, you know? Right. I see it every day. But also, we, we train with enough guys, so many different people, that when you see those positions again, you're like, oh, he didn't react the same way. Okay, like, his his level might not be as high, or, or he might not have the same uh, attacks queued up right away as somebody I roll uh. with, you know? Mm-hmm. And also what I've noticed that is because of, there's also the clear size difference between us. So it's, uh, there's an adjustment for both of us where, you know, I, even though I try to remove some of my size and strength, it's still there and he has to be able to deal with that. Where it's small, nature, right? Exactly. And small guys will completely different than big guys. Okay. So it's helped me develop a small guy, guy game, which is awesome for a big guy to have because of... You know, it's good to be a big guy, but I'm able to outmove my opponents that are maybe bigger and stronger than me. And so having that, I'd say, is way more beneficial than detrimental. Okay, because when I spoke to, when I interviewed Higan, and behind the mic, we were, so I don't know if I should be saying this, but it's like, you know, you know, Jean-Jacques is a different body, you know, and he, he was like, no, he's pressure. more like a mouse. Mm. You know, where me, mm -hmm. I'm a bear. You know, he's, he's like a, a, a sewer rat uh -huh. where he's supposed to attack viciously. And, you know, 
overhook, underhook yeah. galore, right? So do you get to a point though where it's like, Eric, I'm gonna cop some of your stuff on this guy? Absolutely, absolutely. Eric, I, I, yeah. Or, or Joey, I'm gonna cop some of that. How do you do that? Um, Even though physicality, it's different. It's different, right? but we, it's just moves. We mm-hmm. constantly learn from each other. But it's great that you brought Hegan and Jean Jacques up as an example because they ended up both becoming great. And so having training partners like that, especially ones that you're with all the time that have different styles, it's gonna, it's only going to improve your game. I think like uh, Bill Cooper and Jeff Glover are examples of that. You ah. know, they 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 have clashing styles, but very much the same. One releases like uh, a deep half DVD. The other one does a deep half counter DVD. <laughs> like, of course, you know that whatever your your training partners are good, are good at, like that's going to be what your defense should be. Mm-hmm. You know. I don't know if this is fair for me to say. Say it. So check me. <laughs> right. I, I feel like you guys are mid school. You guys have enough of old school, uh, the renaissance of the gi, the renaissance of the no gi. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, what's your opinion about inverted guard play? Because where I'm coming from, as we discussed off mic, you know, I've smoker fights in Muay Thai. Uh-huh. So yeah. I look at that with a novice to jiu-jitsu perspective and I go, I'm going to stomp on your head. Yeah. You know, I mean, it is... Well, I think like it the has, donkey guard. You know, uh-huh. But I'm, I'm more concerned about the inverted guard. I think like it has, it has its um, place in sport jiu-jitsu. Um, you know, you're, you're essentially playing the rules and keeping your opponent from passing guard and... You know, being inverted and having body awareness when you're upside down like that. Sure. Like, that's pretty difficult. And then you have to kind of think, oh, somebody's going to try to smash me right here. Like, that's like one of the worst spots to be smashed, you know, with your legs over your head like that. But to be able to be comfortable and have a game plan and be dangerous from there, uh, you know, that's just an adaptation of the rule set. You know, if you are going to be smashed like that to have an attack there or to be able to maintain uh, control, like, that's really good. You know, I, th- well, I think that people train jujitsu for different reasons, right? So if you're in it for self-defense, then don't do that inverted guard stuff because it's not going to work when you are out on the street. But playing sport jujitsu, and if you're good at it and you're tapping guys out, you're getting those better positions. Sure. If you're a guy who loses because a guy went inverted, what are you going to make an excuse? Well, he's doing stuff that won't work in the street, but it doesn't matter. We agreed to a tournament rule, rule set, set uh-huh. and you beat me via it doing stuff that you can't make excuses because of certain rule sets. So whatever your reasons for training, if it's you like it, if that's like your body types allow like allows for it, then go for it. You know? Yeah, we, we have a guy here that's like very, very dangerous while he's inverted and plays like a really weird guard. Here here with, staying with you guys yeah, right with, now? With okay. like, you know, inverted body triangles and locking you up and going for your feet. Uh, almost like a donkey guard, you know, and uh, I don't play that, but it's so effective, you know, it throws you off. So it's just, you know, uh, evolution for different people. Like, here's a classic example. Um, So far from what I can remember, it's 50-50 on this question. Is there a significant difference between rolling with a purple belt who competes versus rolling with a purple belt that doesn't compete? Do you guys feel it? I'd say yes yes and no. Because, oh, okay. because there are people that are in the gym that are phenomenal that just don't compete. They're awesome for the guys who do compete because of, you know, they're, they have this great game that just works. And then there's guys that do compete and they're, you know, they're either constantly super aggressive in the gym or there's also guys that compete. And because they compete, they're a little bit calmer in the gym 
because of they've already they get that real aggression out when they compete. So it really is different for everyone. Just like competing or not competing, I do think it makes you better because of you find the real holes in your game because of it, you're exposing yourself to somebody who's really trying to go at it, not just maybe letting you get positions to see what they can do defensively. So Break the rhythm, right? Exactly. Break, you're so used to the math of different Absolutely. people's bodies. So it's, I, feel, I think it's important to do because it does get you to that point, but you can't always tell the difference between people who do and who do not. Oh, okay. For you. I, I also feel like you know, competition helps with uh, timing. Um, you know, when somebody is really going 100%, uh, that's when you could feel like, okay, is it the time to go or not? Um, sometimes in the academy setting, like we rarely go 100%. You know, we're not trying to kill each other there. But in a tournament, everything is going, all your juices are flowing. So, like, you're, you better have, like, mastery of, like, when it's time to hit that move because you're going to have to hit it and then control after that. You know, the match continues. Whereas in the gym, sometimes somebody hits a move and then it stays for a second and you advance from there. You know, there's not that necessarily um, that rush to recover in, right. a, in a tournament setting. You have to, okay, like, I, I'm down by two. I need to make that up or something like that. An academy, like, oh, like, okay, now I'm going to fight him here. You know, it doesn't, nobody cares about, like, points or anything. So, you know, each one has their place. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of people, the trend is to go with the younger people, right? Because it's like, you look at the 10th Planet warm-ups. They're not warm-ups. That is so complex. Mm -hmm. It's labeled a warm-up, but really it's a complex drill to start with. More or less, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I always think, like, they're immediate action drills. You know, the guy does this, this is what time. I do. Yeah. All right, boom. Like, without thinking, like, okay, I have options here, options here. And you see how all of them, like, will do a certain movement, you know? So it's kind of cool. So what's the benefit of rolling with the 40 and up crowd? Because you guys are the babies mm -hmm. of the gym. Well, what, what's the benefit? Because of one day we'll be in the 40 and up crowd. And, you know, as you said about playing inverted guard, it's great. But eventually, I just turned 30. And slowly but surely, things are happening to me that didn't happen when I was 20. I'm sore for longer. Things just hurt for no reason. And their game adjusts and it becomes more... Yeah, I see the rhino pills on the <laughs> That's not too good. That's just... The, the baka root. <laughs> but uh, it becomes more and more efficient. You're not dealing with someone who's trying to out be, be more athletic than you. You're dealing with somebody who over years and years has developed the most efficient way to do these moves. And so moves that maybe an athletic guy does quickly in six moves, this guy who's 40 plus is doing slower, but he's getting the same thing done in like two moves because they've figured out how to cut things out. Because when you're 40 plus, if you've been training since you were 20, that's a guy with 20 plus years of experience. You've mm -hmm. sure. been to that many classes and that's all, it's every class. Like I feel like I learned something and I get something out of it. And so that this is, they're getting that much out of it. And so talking to these people, You'll do something and they'll be, you could have done this better. And even if I may be more athletic than them or something like that, just them being able to see, well, if you did this instead of this, you could have cut out an entire move of your whole series right there. And that's why I feel that that's jujitsu. Try to get from point A to point B with the least amount of resistance and the least amount of uh, you're, moves. You're getting to 10, 9 plus 1. Yeah. Right? Instead of like 1 plus 1 exactly. plus 1 plus 1 plus exactly. 1. But would you recommend both of you to for someone young to train both at young and old definitely um you know i think our school is a little executive everybody there is a little older sure so like you said like we'd probably be the youngest batch um so then we have a wealth of knowledge to always go to you know 
um, they know certain positions and stuff like that from a different angle or different like you know we always focus on not using strength using you know pressure things like that and like these guys are the kings of it you know like uh, that glacial like they're not moving but they're smashing into you with like the least amount of effort like that takes time you know to learn and you have all these guys that have been there forever who like you know show you little pointers on how to use your weight and how to um, be heavy also some of the guys that like you know you, you you're a young guy and you're just attacking relentlessly but you get nowhere against these guys they trust their guard you know they're they're very they're very um composed too when they're rolling but is there another gym that can claim the hierarchy method of or or label that jj's gym is the 40 and up lion <laughs> academy right have yeah. you guys seen other gyms that are like that i'm sure they exist i i mean but we're, we're in southern california yeah, we're, 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 exactly. we're right? super fortunate to have what we have because we have guys that are constantly placing and getting gold at all the high, like, you know, at Worlds, right. uh, Pan Ams, Eric mm -hmm. here uh, took Ma second. Congratulations, Congratulations Masters won. Thank you, thank you. Um, and we have, like, a ton of, like, Masters Worlds champions and stuff like that, so, like, the executive older guy, like, murderers row in there, you know? <laughs> all, like, all these, like, guys walking around with, like, six-packs that are, like, older, you know? Like, they're, they're awesome. And also something to add to that is also what people don't always see within jiu-jitsu. It's not also just learning jiu-jitsu just in the gym. Jiu-Jitsu, it translates into life in so many ways, and dealing with these guys that are 40 plus, they have so much life experience. And constantly, I'm, when I'm talking to these guys, you get done rolling, you're just hanging out on the wall talking. I get financial advice, I get general life advice, relationship right. advice, and it's all priceless that you can't get from, you know, a 19, 20 year old guy who'll give you a crazy good roll, but who's, you know, maybe not there yet right. with the things that, like, you know, someone my age is kind of looking for to kind of grow. Hey, Joey, go to Planned Parenthood, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right but, but yeah, I, I mean, the, the toughest thing I've seen is going from gi to no gi. Mm -hmm. So for you guys, when you, because they're, they're literally siblings, if not an uncle, uh, nephew relationship with 10th planet father son no. right father son <laughs> sure sure excuse me yeah <laughs> correct uh, i stand corrected father son when you guys train a 10th planet how much of that affects your game like do you guys oh after 10th planet i'm gonna rubber guard jewels it's yeah yeah jewels, sometimes yeah. sometimes you have that like oh like let me see what like you know like what right. what cool like you know cool little moves that like i could try out you know because it's not i think um, because we come from the same place it's easier to understand sure. like the pathways and you're like oh like this makes sense like of course this is really cool um, and I do feel like since we train both of them like congruently together well then it's um, in the in the gi I'm always wondering oh like well, well that, how that how that will look no gi you know what's what's the no gi equivalent right and so you automatically start computing the two together you know even during roll a yeah. roll a yeah. live roll yeah. right mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I've seen, like, what I love about Jean Jacques is when you see someone like Chris Ariola, 40 plus crowd, black belt, and someone like Jules or Felipe, mm -hmm. when they go at it, it's like National Geographic, right? It's like <laughs> really going yeah. nonstop. And you see them cut the math, like you yeah. were saying earlier. It's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going for that. You can try and sweep yeah. me this way. Efficiency. Right, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm blocking you right here. Uh -huh. And it's like lions rolling. 
What's the number one sign of a bad home security system? A home security system that's so complicated, you never use it. That's exactly the type of system Simply Safe has spent a decade fighting against. Simply Safe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home 24-7. Order online, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. It's that simple. Head to simplysafe.com forward slash team. That's S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com forward slash T-E-A-M and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash team. It feels good to fear less. Does it ever get to a point where you guys want to go on longer stretches and train in the no-gi versus the gi? I think it's good to have the good balance because we at our academy, we are a, we are a gi academy, um, but usually when we train here in the mornings, we do a lot of no gi because we like to supplement it. We do a lot of gi here as well, Okay. but I feel it is important to do both. I've rolled with a lot of guys who are super solid black belts like when they're wearing the gi and then they, they take the gi off and all of a sudden they're a blue belt. You know, they, they a lot of the things that they've practiced in, they just haven't had that extra practice no gi. I think you just have to have them both. A lot of people, well, if you train the gi, it'll help your no gi. You know, it's, I do think whenever you're training, you're training. You're getting better at jujitsu, period. Um, but it's important to work on both aspects, especially if you're a gi guy and you ever want to do no gi tournaments, no gi wanting to do gi tournaments, because there are little nuances in both that you can't get unless you train both. But then there's also things that you learn it in a no gi setting, and you're like, I can apply that to the gi right now if I just it's a quicker thing I can do with the gi and vice versa and so I think it's just super important especially to be a well-rounded grappler that wants to compete in as many tournaments as possible and if you're it's just it's good to compete to train in both okay mm-hmm. so for you Eric Mr. Brown Belt did you feel a change well let's make it a two-part question for both of you like from you from blue to purple uh-huh. and you from purple to brown what's changed um, purple to brown, I feel like, um, Were you just I, more efficient? in my, in my head now, I have, uh, I have rules to be more efficient, not to waste so much more energy. And, um, like how is the move like best performed cleanly, you know, um, like what really makes it like, uh, an arm bar without struggling to get it, you know, well, how does it work? Like the way it's supposed to be clean and I feel constantly like having those thoughts in my head while I'm rolling have forced me to like really examine a technique and see like how many parts there are to it like what am I actually doing and then what is my opponent's reaction you know like which way does he is he going like I got to feel it real quick like you know is he exploding this way like that's where I want to be too you know right so just um I guess the small um small rules and the small um you know, little abilities that you pick up that you start to refine. I feel like that's what's happening now. Well, well you, you're, I'm not trying to jinx anything. Don't jinx <laughs> anything. <laughs> you're on the cusp of becoming that brown because, you know, I've seen you roll. Mm-hmm. You, you still know. got a little time though. You know, I've, I've, <laughs> talked, to, I've talked to him about when, when, uh, when he's, you know, he's almost, he's got to like, do a couple private lessons with me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So... Since Mr. Brownbelt yeah. said that, gotta pay a little more. You're, to <laughs> you're blue to purple. What changed? And then, really, there is a mid-purple 
Yeah, uh, to, to now. Yeah, uh, there's actually, it's too. a really good question because of uh, when you get the belts, right? From when you're a white belt to what the day your instructor goes, today you are a blue belt, right? There's no real life change like in that moment. You're still the same guy you were yesterday. Right. And so, but it is to kind of transform into it. I noticed you, like, well, I'm a blue belt now. And so things that you may have tapped to as a white belt or things you may have tapped to as a blue belt now that you're a purple belt, you're like, oh, I got to figure out a way out of this. I got to fight a little harder because I'm a blue belt now. I'm a purple belt now. And so it creates a psychological change of this, oh, I can't just, you know, I have to figure out a different way to do this. I can't just do this same move over and over I have to start expanding because now I got this new belt on. I got to think differently. Right. And it, like, it, it, it turns into life. I notice things in my life start to you know, graduate like a couple months after I get the belt because you start doing everything a little bit differently, a little bit more mm-hmm. mature and like, you know, with more thought and consciousness in it. And so I just think that like, from blue to purple, it was a lot of I have this move that I'm good at. How do I do that move? And then when I became a purple belt, it was, well, how do I, how do I transfer from move to move? How do I, if this move isn't working. From my expertise yeah, oh, to the next. Yeah, it's, well, how, if this move isn't working, how do I find something else? How do I find an area that is open? And I, I'm seeing more and more that it's, you know, it's, you've got to create a lot of misdirection. By doing this move, I'm going to open up this move because I've drilled it so many times. I know where that arm goes when I start to attack, and I know where that leg goes, I know what your head does, and so I attack this with the other move already in mind to fall back into it when you try to defend this move. Start chaining the submissions yeah. together. That's like when it becomes really cool. Chaining. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ah, but how much integral is drilling? Would you feel if you were to put a percentage to success? It's hard to put a percentage on it. I it think, is. I think That's why drilling. I learning brand new techniques, uh, live rolling. I feel like it's like it's like a pyramid. It's like a triangle. You can't, like, no side is more important than anything. You kind of, you have to do that. And because by doing that, you're going to be better at that. And by being better at this, you're going to be better at this. So it's, you have to do it. You have to do it as much mm-hmm. as you do the other stuff. Live, live reps too. Like, you know, you got to really hit it when it's, for the, are trying for, to, for the novice, what is a live rep? Uh, when somebody is like, you know, uh, putting, putting real resistance against it, you know, okay. to be able to hit it then too. That's another thing as well. Uh, when you know, when you're trying to stop the sweep, but you're still getting swept, you know? Okay. That's a, another part of it. Cool. Um, now the interview really starts. <laughs> um, how did you guys come up with the concept with... Well, it's evolved as we spoke behind yes. behind the camera. It's, evol- it's evolving, <laughs> right? Evolving. So it started first as a jujitsu BNB. Yeah. So but how did the how did that idea come into fruition? Well, um, we had a spot, um, a little apartment right behind John Jocks in the valley, and then guys would always crash with us and hang out with us, um, you know, from different places, Pennsylvania, uh, Las Vegas. People would drop in, and then um, I work in hotels. And then we just got like an idea together, like, you know, why don't we just get a place, you know, mat it up and then let people crash with us, you know, um, while they're here in town for training for jiu-jitsu, doing tournaments and stuff. So um, quite a few things opened up to allow that to happen. You know, we put all our money together, you know, bought all the mats and then, uh, you know, moved into this place and it's been crazy ever since. Because a lot of of things actually literally fell into play. It's almost like... uh 
I don't want to get weird, but like the secret, right? Where we have this idea, like, let's put the mats and we're going to do this. And I remember we weren't even moved in here yet. Two things happened. Once, like, we weren't even moved in yet. And we were, we're friends with uh, Richie and Gio Martinez. Sure. And Richie hits us up one night. He's like, hey, I'm in LA. Is it cool if I crash at your spot? He thought we were still in the apartment. We're like, okay, but we have this house now. I come over. He came over like at 10 o'clock at night. And he's like, no, this spot is cool. And we're like, hey, man, do you want to do a seminar tomorrow morning? He's like, okay. So like at 10 o'clock at night, we post up on social media. Hey, like Richie, you know, Richie Boogeyman uh, Martinez seminar tomorrow. And we had a nice turnout. And then a few, like, it was only like about maybe a week later. We weren't even officially moved in here yet. We moved in here March or But June the mats 1st. were here. The mats were here. June 1st of, 20, of 2015, we moved in. Like May 27th, 28th, I mean, Eric got a call from like, Gary Tonin's manager saying, hey, like Gary Tonin. Jeff Shum. Yeah, like Gary Tonin needs like, you know, he needs a spot to stay because he was supposed to stay in this hotel. His thing fell through. And since Eric works at hotels, he called him up to like, hey, do we have a spot at your hotel? And we're like, how about this? How about you stay at our house? And we also have mats and like, we, like how he does a seminar. Like, he had a seminar that fell through too. First, so we did a two day seminar. Uh-huh. Everything uh, started to open up like right off the bat. Like, um, you know, we had so much help and so many like, you know, contribution to help set up the mats and do the wall pads and stuff like that you know uh these mats come from mark munoz's gym like anderson silva's trained on the mats uh you know more not here mark, but mark it's been on the mats Leo de Machida. like you know these like the ringworm we have here is very strong like we, <laughs> sounds like you jacked it from black <laughs> we don't have ringworm here like we like get a disclaimer on that one right <laughs> um so in regards to the mania of jiu-jitsu you have so you're dating someone who is training in jujitsu, uh-huh. and you're not. Um, she's not training jujitsu. She's not training yes. in jujitsu, right? So, it, how has your girl adjusted to your mania? Um, because this is like a mania. Jujitsu is, is a mania, yeah. really. It's cultural. There's you know? the jujitsu, and like also like our general friendship. She once said to me. Uh, you don't know what it's like to be in a relationship with someone who's in a relationship. <laughs> but. Uh, our girlfriends are funny, man. Like they, they, they have to be friends and buddies because we put them through so much right. that they could only support each other. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but they, they, they've both been amazing. I, they, there's been times where we need like to clean up because of someone staying, and since we're all men, the house is a mess. Uh, like both of us have called up our girlfriends. Like it's like at midnight. Like I need you over here. <laughs> Uh, they're coming here tomorrow morning, and the place is a disaster. Right, like, you joke a guy out here. I'm on my yeah. own. Yeah. And so, as like both of them, both of them are like you know they're as much a part of this as anything. Uh-huh. Like, they they reach their limits too, though. It's <laughs> funny. Like we we like walk a fine line here between like what right. we could get away with and what we can't. It's two o'clock, two a.m. Uh, can you come through? Yeah. I told you. I told you this would happen. Like, yeah, I wanted that. <laughs> right. So, I mean, in the end, it's really just about support. Because sometimes, yeah, dude, we have so so many friends and so many good people that come by, and you know, it's always like a good, um, you know, it's it's more of a relaxed training here. But then sometimes it gets really good too. Like where you have guys training here that like everybody's getting ready for a tournament or. Um, in in february we had the fight to win here right and um our other roommate drew had a match there and it was we were training so hard to here every day to to win those fights and we won so we we had a crazy energy here for the next couple of weeks after because you know all the hard work we did like it paid off you know and we got to see that like oh okay like we want to be good we just have to to train and to sacrifice and to believe too you know 
So are you guys like at this, you're no longer new money, you're old money about jujitsu, so it's not as maniacal? You're not always doing this after you tap a guy <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. tap yeah. on your forearm, you know? Are you guys at that point where it's, you know what, this is a piece of my pie in my daily routine? Yeah, yeah, you're definitely. Definitely. A, I think, I think um, that the... the um, the spastic energy, like the uncertainty, like oh, that's all gone now. Now it's just like okay, every day we swing the hammer. Every day we come in, we sharpen the sword just a little bit more. Doesn't matter if it's like so, so such a crazy day or not. Just like just a little bit, cool. The, the body feel good, yeah. All right, is today a stretching day? Or are we gonna go in the pool today? Or what are we gonna do today? You know, we have a million hard days under our belts. Like not every day needs to be hard anymore. You know. There's an old saying by uh, one of the football greats, maybe Vince Lombardi, but like, act, act like you've been there before, act as if you'll be there again. Uh, again, there's no point in getting all crazy. For, for those of you who are watching and listening on the radio, uh, Crianchi is like, a, I guess, traitor. A traitor, traitor, yeah. Isn't it getting to a point where as long as you have a home base, you should be welcomed, whether, albeit be sparsely or part-time, Training at other academies Absolutely. at this point? I, well, we also, I'll say that we have like an LA, <laughs> well, we have like an LA mindset where we do these giant open mats where sure. people from all over come. We go to different academies and train. But I also understand in certain areas, the old school rules still apply. You train here, you train nowhere else. Mm. Um, but if, I, I think so, like, because we, we do that. We have our home gym. Jean Jacques Machado is our guy. Like, you know, it's not anyone Mothership. else. Mothership. Mm -hmm. But I love going down to, 10th Planet HQ and the different 10th Planet schools because they're like, oh, wow, like the guys at our school aren't doing this. Um, all sorts of other schools have their own little style. And I think when you expose yourself to more styles, you get a bigger picture of jujitsu. And when you train at the academy, guys of different skill sets, you start to learn people's games. And so people start shutting things down. And so you have to kind of break through that. And that gets you good in one way. But then also going against guys, you're like, I have no idea what this guy's doing. I've never seen this before. That also gets you good mm -hmm. in another way. And they're both important to your growth and development in the sport. Well, because also I work with a lot. One of my good friends, Justin, the camera up and producer, he's a millennial. The mentality is different. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean this with all due respect. No political brouhaha here. Like, let's say if someone trains with Eddie Bravo. I've, I've had the luxury of training at Crohn's and JJ's, mm -hmm. you know, obviously off my conversation at a falling out with someone, but everyone has something to offer. Absolutely. Like the rhythm at Crohn's, like with JJ's, I felt like, are these tricky motherfuckers mm -hmm. right here do tricks on tricks on tricks on tricks? And with that, that's just at a blue belt level at yeah. JJ's. Absolutely. Bless you. At, at, at Crohn's and at Hickson's, it's like, no, break my guard. No, I'm staying right here. Um, break my guard. No, 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 try to break my guard. And it's like, it's a completely it's different, different yeah. rhythm. So I feel like people are missing out if they're only stuck in that <laughs> being scared to venture out. Absolutely. You know, so I don't know. I, I, I'm in my 40s, I'm a Gen Xer, but I, I like the millennial mentality where it's like, no, I'm going to get mine everywhere. It may not sit well with the baby boomer yeah. generation of instructors, but I just feel 
a lot of instructors need to adjust. Absolutely. And as, as I said, like a lot of what we are doing is because of this is, this is, this are, we're Sweden right here. Like you train, we, we don't, we don't have anyone that comes here. That's just the Los Angeles jujitsu club. Sure. We bring everyone in because of that mindset of, we love going to other places and seeing what other people have to offer that, you know what, let's stop going to other places as much. Let's just hang out at home and let people come to us. I also feel like, you know, it's, um, it's a subtle, like, your school is your home team and you always cheer for your home team, you know, like whether it be like, you know, Gracie Baja or, you know, street sports, whatever, like you got like your own jersey, your own flag, your own everything. And it's like, you know, this, the slice of the pie is so big, like you can't be everywhere, you know, but like you should always rock your home team because that's like where you came from. You know, everybody loves their school and loves like their instructor and their team and stuff. So like, that's cool. Like I, I love mine. I appreciate mine. And I'm sure, like, if I started anywhere else, like, I'd love that, too. You know, like, it's just, it's, it's all good. It's all love. You know, you could like the Raiders. You could like the, the um, Patriots, whatever. Like, you know, those are your teams. That's, that's awesome. It's the same game. Right. Um, in regards to where you guys are developing in jiu-jitsu, and this is so light years away. Well, not light years, but years away. Maybe a year away. I don't know. Are you guys open-minded to training in stand-up? We had a little bit of a chat about weaponry yeah. off mic. So, so After you get the black belt, <laughs> what next? So for me, like you said, like the um, we had a couple guys at the academy who trained like Eskrima and like the dog fighting, the stick fighting. Like I think that's cool because that's just, for me, like... Uh, Dog brothers, not dog fighting as in chicken fighting, horse fighting. That's what we're into. No, but I think like that'd be like a, another step in like a different direction, but still uh, as relates to martial arts, you know? Absolutely. So, so for you, any specific? So yours is weaponry. Yes. Well, we like yours. Hey, we also came from wrestling background, so like there, there's that, and I'd also like to kind of get back to those roots a lot more. When you kind of stick with jujitsu, you kind of it's easy to fall away from training what you used to train, but I would like to get a more into wrestling and then just pick up boxing and Muay Thai, not to compete in it or anything like that, but for more Awareness. generalized, yeah, mm-hmm. more generalized self-defense. Uh, I feel just being a martial artist is kind of growing in something else. I feel it's all, it's all connected. I guarantee there's stuff that people learn while they're boxing and go, like, I can apply this kind of this idea or this, uh, this, uh, this concept to like my grappling or to my to my footwork mm-hmm. while wrestling. Yeah, it all it all makes you better yeah. somehow. Like it, it all interconnects. It's up to you to just you know make the best version of yourself for that for that uh, discipline. If I had a UFC programming code, I tell Chris Ariola, Sam Sekiguchi, and I'll pass this on to you guys. Before this whole Tenth Planet heel hook leg lock game, I would have loved to see you guys as cyborgs that also cross over to uh-huh. Goku. Uh-huh. You know, how dope would that be if you guys learned Gokor's method? Mm. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm here speaking from a non-rivalrous perspective. But how ill and dope would that be? Even if you guys just trained there for a year, that would oh, be yeah. I've been, bananas. I've been beat up by Karin uh, Darvidian at EBI3, so like, I know that they got, uh, they're all super legit over there. Mm-hmm. We also have uh, one of our friends, Armin, too. Uh, we've had a little Gokor in here too, like, you know, and it's definitely awesome because he's a judo guy too. First, first and foremost, he's sure. a stand-up guy and people sleep on that, but, you know, it's all, like, every school, every academy, like, they all have, like, you know, their, their, 
their signature flair, you know, and then to learn that, like, it's going to take your life, you know, it's going to take that, that lifetime. I, I just, I just hope the masters start opening their minds the way I went back to school and had to go to school with millennials. And that time I was like, fuck these kids. Oh, wow. God, you guys don't know shit. Well, what's great about where we train is John Jock is kind of that, that centerpiece because he's part of the, the super old school where he talks about how Helio and Carlos, they had schools on the exact same floor, the exact same building. But if you trained at Helio's and you're walking in and your best friend goes to Carlos's, you guys are no longer not best talking. friends. You guys are, and now you're just in the buildings ever. Like you guys aren't friends anymore. But then all of a sudden, you know, things grew. He helped create Gracie Baja. And then he created, you know, like Eddie Bravo came from uh, Jean-Jacques and created his whole thing. And the fact that we get to train, you know, wherever we want. There's, you know, there's obviously things that happen here and there where, you know, you can't train here or there, but... A lot of Game of Thrones, a lot of alliances, a lot of backstabbery. in anything, absolutely. (laughs) But, like, for the most part, it's just, yeah, go there. You you know, if that's going to make you better, that's what you're going to do. Do it. Have fun. Like, you guys have seen me interview mostly the traditional kids. That's why I was was really interested, aside from being homies. um, This this setup, this LA Jiu-Jitsu club, is what I'm talking about, where it's like, Yo, you gotta share. Yeah, mm. it's 2017. With the the techniques here, you know, we have the guys come in and show us. You know, we have the seminars and stuff. Like we download that information too. Like you know, sure. Like the the little look that you get. Like oh man, like I never thought about that. It opens up like a little pathway in your brain. It's like oh cool. Like now I got this. Like I want the match to go right here because I got something that you guys haven't seen. You know, and it's that that cool little like um, you know learning something new that like yeah. really like sparks you. Cool. Um, Constantly learn stuff here. That I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna bring back that back to the academy, and it's gonna blow everyone's minds. And then all of a sudden, I see people at the academy playing with it, and it's like, it's it all comes from different areas, and to kind of bring it back home, it's I love it. It's what is I there's so much that I learn outside as well as this, like especially I learn every day at John Jock something amazing that blows my mind, but also something I learn elsewhere that I'm like I know like that the people at the academy don't know this, and then I bring it right back. And I catch people with it, and I was like, what the fuck was that? Right. And I love it. I have, I'm addicted to that. Is and that's that... the mania where you're driving and go, wait, was it the left leg? Yeah. Like, yeah. Was yeah. it actually? Yeah, telling yourself beforehand, okay, like, this is like the, like, don't tense here, get your leg over, like, right? Oh, is the trap ready? Like, okay, go, you know? It's very cool. It's yeah, very fun. I, I'm so happy I got to interview you guys, and um, thank you so much for doing this. This is really fun. Cool. Thank you, Charles. Cool, cool. Oh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in to the show. And please subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We're also available on your favorite directories aside from iTunes, such as Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V-E.com. And Believe Podcasts on social media. Now, if you want to get at me personally, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at plug12. That's P L U G O N E T W O. Hit me up and I'll read your questions or maybe even have you on the show. Believe in the fight game. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones 
who get it done.